It's good to see you guys. Welcome. If you've got, if you've got a Bible, open it up. Pull it open on your phone, your device. We want to look at this text together. It's just three verses. We'll go some other places as well. But I want you to be able to see with your own eyes what the Apostle Paul is saying about Christian warfare. Before we begin, I'll pray. Father, we have asked for your help already. And we're asking again. We need you. I pray that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Teach us how to fight the fight of faith. Would you keep us to the end? Would you teach us what the good warfare is and what it isn't? And would you make us those who persevere in trusting you? We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy 1, we're in verses 18 through 20. You can read along with me. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. This is God's word. So here, Paul is telling Timothy to wage war. So his words. He provides a contrast for Timothy to see. Two men who did not wage war and they made a shipwreck of their faith. We don't want to make a shipwreck of our faith. We don't. This passage is important for us. We want to make sure that we're fighting the right war with the right weapons. So in order to examine this passage, we're just going to ask three questions. Those will be the sections of our sermon. Three questions. What kind of war is Timothy fighting? What kind of war is Timothy fighting? How does prophecy help Timothy wage war? That's question two. How does prophecy help Timothy wage war? Question three. What happens when you don't wage war? That's how we'll end. So what kind of war is Timothy fighting? Verse 18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. What is the good warfare? Paul says something similar at the end of this letter. If you've got a Bible, you can just flip. It's chapter 6, verse 12. He tells Timothy something very similar. He says, fight the good warfare fight of faith. So instead of good warfare, he calls it the good fight of the faith. And notice that's exactly what Hymenaeus and Alexander have made a shipwreck out of, their faith. Let's look at two more similar passages. In the very next letter, also to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul's about to die. He knows he's about to die, and he writes this to Timothy. 
The time of my departure has come. That means I'm dying. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. So we're getting a little insight here. Keeping the faith. Keeping the trust that he has in Jesus and spreading that trust to other people is the good fight. That is the good warfare. Let's look at one more passage. You can turn there if you've got a Bible. This is 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. Paul talks about warfare here again. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. Amazing passage. Starting in verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So he's saying, listen, we're not shooting guns. Our weapons have God's power behind them to destroy strongholds. What strongholds? He tells us in verse 5. What kind of strongholds are you destroying, Paul, in your war? We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So the war that Paul is engaged in, the war he wants Timothy engaged in, the war that you and I are engaged in, is a war against arguments, against opinions and thoughts that are against Jesus Christ. Faith in Him. The war, the actual battles that rage, the kind of war Paul's talking about here, are battles to believe what is true and help others believe the truth. It's a fight of faith. It's a war against arguments and opinions that challenge our faith. That's the war. That's what I'm getting from these texts. The great war of Paul's life, he calls the fight of faith. It's a war to keep trusting the truth that was given to him. And it's a war that destroys the untruths that the world trusts in. You might think, well, that's not really a war. I mean, in real war, people are dying. They're violent. They're brutal. It's horrific. Real war, you fight with bullets, not with ideas, thoughts, truth. No, this is war. The fighting looks different, but in this war, the stakes are higher. The potential devastation is greater. Wars fought with guns are a shadow. They're a shadow of this one. General William Sherman, he said, war is hell. You may have heard that phrase, that sentence, war is hell. It's used a lot. It's communicating that the brutality of war is the most horrific thing you can find yourself in the middle of in this life. But it's not true. War is not hell. Hell is hell. 
It's far worse than war. It is an endless horror. It's a war without end where nothing good can or ever will happen forever. Satan and demons are your enemy in this war. They love war on earth. They do. They love battles, fighting here on earth because they love any destruction of the image of God that they can get. But their game is not just for lots of people to shoot each other. That's not Satan's ultimate delight. It's for people to shoot each other while loving lies about God so that men and women are cast into eternal horror and suffering. The stakes of this war that you are in, that your family, every member of your family is in, every single person you drove past on your way here, they're in this war. The stakes are the highest they could possibly be. You are in a war. This moment, even. Even now, there are battles going on for your faith. Now. And the point of the conflict is, who do you trust? The stakes are everlasting. That's, there's zero overstatement here. It is not possible to overstate the stakes of heaven and hell. Either the kind of joy is coming your way that in your very best moment in this life, it's just a whiff of the joy that's coming. Or terror and fury worse than a nightmare because it's real. And it won't end. The stakes couldn't be higher. But we treat the war for our faith. Our spouse's faith. Our children's faith. Our neighbor's faith. As something so in insignificant. It falls behind our priorities in our job, hobbies, favorite shows. And perhaps that's Satan's greatest weapon. His power to blind us to the reality of the war itself. What you believe. The truth that you trust when it really matters. Is the struggle of your life. The struggle of your life is to trust God and the truth that he has spoken. It's a war. It is. It's a war to believe that Jesus died for you and your guilt and that all the promises in this book are true for you because he bought them for you. That's the war that you've got to fight every single day, even now, for your own soul, the souls of those around you, and for the glory of God. So that's the war. That's the kind of war that Timothy is engaged in, that Paul wants Timothy to be engaged in. So what does prophecy have to do with this? So that's our second question. How does prophecy help Timothy wage war? Look at verse 18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. You see what he's saying? He's saying the charge that he's given Timothy, and it's a charge to correct the false teaching in Ephesus. That's the charge. He's saying that charge is in accordance with prophecies that were already made about Timothy. 
which probably means, we don't know what the prophecies were, but it probably means they had something to do with Timothy's gifting to teach. Probably. Because he's saying, I'm telling you to correct false teaching in accordance with the prophecies that were previously made about you. And then he tells Timothy, you need to wage war by those prophecies. Do you see that in verse 18? He says, that so that by them, the prophecies, you may wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. So, okay, how do you wage war by a prophecy? How do you wage war by prophecies? I mean, I know how to shoot a gun. I know how to throw a punch. How do you fight with a prophecy? Let's talk about what prophecy is. Prophecy is when the Spirit of God communicates a message to someone that they are then supposed to speak. That's what prophecy is. God communicates to you, and then you're supposed to communicate that to others. That's prophecy. It's a message from God through a man or a woman. It's a message. That's what prophecy is. It's a message. It can be a prediction about the future. It can be a promise, a word of encouragement. We don't know exactly what God said to Timothy through these prophecies. What we do know is that Paul is saying, Timothy, you received prophecies, words from the Lord, and I want you to use those words from the Lord to wage war. Now remember, what's the war? The war is to trust Jesus. It's to believe the truth that he told us when it matters. That's the war. And that's the connection. The war is for us to believe the truth. Prophecy communicates the truth. By the way, this is a side note, but if you read 1 Corinthians 14, that's why he says prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. Because prophecy communicates a message to your mind. And that's a big deal for Paul when it comes to waging war. The war is for us to believe the truth. Prophecy communicates truth. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, wage the war by believing those things that God told you back then through the prophecy. So, one more time. How does Timothy wage war with prophecies that were made about him in the past? By remembering them and believing what God was saying through them. That's the essence of war for a Christian. Remembering what God has said in the past and believing it. That's the essence of the war. So I'm going to paraphrase this. Well, Paul, I'm, like I'm Paul talking to Timothy. I think it's something like this. Timothy, we're at war. The actual fighting is a fight to trust God and to help other people trust him. That's the war. That means the war is a fight to trust what he says. Do you trust what he says, Timothy? Do other people around you trust what he says? Your soul is at stake. Other everlasting souls in Ephesus are at stake. Here's what's going to happen, Timothy. When you're at Ephesus, you are going to be tempted to give up. 
You'll be tempted with the lie that the hardship of ministry leading this church in Ephesus isn't worth it. You'll be tempted with thoughts that leaving this ministry and living however you want is going to be better. Those are the bullets the enemy is going to send your way. You need to fight back by remembering the prophecies that were made about you, by trusting what God told you back then. Lies about who God is, that he's not trustworthy, they're going to come at you. Lies that God's not good, they're going to come your way. Lies that he's not going to care for you, he's not going to equip you for the ministry that he's given you. Lies that there are better lives out there than following Jesus. Those lies are going to be coming at your mind like bullets from Satan's machine gun. You need to fight back by remembering the prophecies that were made about you, by trusting what God told you back then. Shoot back by believing what God told you. That's how you wage war. It's important to understand the nature of the war. It's a war to trust God and all that he says to you. Otherwise, you're not going to know how to fight. You don't fight a demon with a grenade. You don't fight a temptation with a knife. You fight them with truth. The way you fight the war for your own soul is by taking the truth that God has told you, calling it to mind, and trusting it over what your eyes, your ears, or even your own heart are telling you. That's the most important fight you'll ever engage in. You don't mainly, this is an important word, mainly, you don't mainly fight the fight of faith by getting website blocking software on your phone or your computer. Now you should. You should get website blocking software on your phone or your computer, but that's not the main fight against lust. You don't fight the fight of faith by taking anxiety medication mainly. Now, you may need medication for your bodies, but that's not the main fight against anxiety. You don't fight the fight of faith by learning how to punch your pillow instead of punching someone out mainly. It's good to learn tools to deal with your anger. That's important. But they're not the main fight against anger. The main battles are these. This is so important. When lust lies and tells you it can give you more pleasure than following God in purity, you wage war mainly by believing what God has said. In my presence, there is fullness of joy. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's how you fight, mainly. When anxiety tells you you're not going to have enough for retirement and it's time to panic, you wage war mainly by believing what God has said. I will never leave you or forsake you. And when anger tells you you need to hurt the person who hurt you, you wage wars against lies by believing God's promise. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. 
That's war. Every other battle is secondary to that. Have you ever fought like that? Do you fight like that? Paul is telling Timothy, remember what God said and believe it. That's how you wage war. That's how everyone in this room, no exception, is to wage war. If you're not doing this, you're losing. Now, my conviction from Scripture is that prophecy continues to be a gift that God can give. He can still speak to men and women and through men and women. All prophecies need to be examined by this book under it. That's important. There are a lot of, I mean, you can just go on the internet and find all sorts of prophecies that are clearly not in the spirit of this book. If you don't know this book, you'll be deceived. Prophecy is given as a way that God communicates truth to us to believe. That's what he wants to do with it. So we shouldn't despise prophecy. It's 1 Thessalonians 5. But it's not the only way God communicates truth to us. In fact, it's not the most common way. I'm not sure that it's ever happened to me. It's certainly not the most trustworthy way. Now, that's not because God can't be trusted in prophecy, but because people make mistakes. Listen, you have a book here, and it's filled with words from God. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 calls this the prophecy of Scripture, not written by the will of men, but by the Holy Spirit. And you can hear from God every single day if you want to. You can rely on what this says without question. And if the warfare is you fighting to trust the truth and helping others to trust the truth, where are you getting your bullets? This book. Here's where we've been so far. Paul sees life as war. Not a war to kill other people. It's a war to believe the truth and to help others believe it, to trust it. It's a war of faith. And the way you do that is by calling to mind the truth, whether that's a prophecy or mainly for us, this word, the Bible. If you want to wage war, you've got to fight every day to trust what God says here no matter what your sinful desires, the world and the devil tell you. So I'm going to be as practical as I can be right now. Memorize verses, Bible verses, that relate to your struggles. Intentionally bring them to mind, recite them, pray through them until you believe them. That's how you'll stay alive in this war. It's how you'll defeat Satan. When you're struggling with sin, either you're being tempted, you're in the middle of sinning, you will have a moment when you recognize that you're being tempted or that you're already sinning and shouldn't be. There will be a moment like that. 
The fight of faith is learning to say no to that sin, temptation, and intentionally bringing to mind what God has said and forcing your stubborn heart to submit to it gladly. And you say, that's way too easy. That's too simplistic. It's actually really hard in that moment to say, no, this is what God said. And I'm going to hold it there until this stubborn heart trusts it gladly. So what I don't mean is that if you struggle with anxiety, okay, you're like, Pastor John said, memorize a verse about anxiety, Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. Okay, so you feel the anxiety coming on. You know what it feels like. Your finances are crashing all around you. And you go, uh, you said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Ah, it's not working. I'm done. It's not what I mean. What I mean is that you pray and meditate on that truth until you really believe it. God, you say... Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make my request to you. God, thank you that you're my father. I'm so scared right now. Thank you that Jesus has died for me. All my money, all that I invested, it's gone. I'm scared. My plans for the future, what's going to happen? Please take care of me. You promise in Philippians 4 that when I pray to you with thanksgiving, with my anxious heart, that you will give me your peace. And I'm going to keep hanging on to this promise until I trust it and you give me what you've promised. That's the war. Not just quoting a verse to yourself, it's an actual battle. It's hard, it's war, and it's worth it. Here's the last section. It's the shortest. What happens when you don't wage war? Paul says Timothy's to wage war by the prophecies that were made about him. This is verse 19. Holding faith, that's what the war is, and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Hymenaeus and Alexander rejected the war. They did not fight to trust the things that God said. They stopped listening to their consciences when they were tempted to sin. And Paul says they took their profession of faith and they crashed it into the rocks, shipwrecked. The faith they claimed to have is sinking. It's a ship that won't float anymore. They didn't put the sails up. They didn't row when the rocks were coming. They stopped fighting. They stopped waging war to believe the truth over what their hearts told them. And Paul the apostle hands them over to Satan so that they might learn not to blaspheme. Think about how far these men have fallen. These men were probably teachers. And somewhere along the way, they stopped fighting to trust Jesus. It was too hard, easier to just give in to sin. And here's where they ended up, shipwrecked, teaching lies about God, blaspheming. 
That's what happens when you stop fighting to trust what God says. You soon, soon your conscience doesn't even warn you anymore. You go on deeper into deceit. It's as easy as floating with the tide. And here these men are blaspheming, shipwrecked in the faith. Don't make peace with your unbelief. That's my plea. Don't make peace with it. Fight it. This is going to be different for all of us. Different ways you struggle. Different ways you have a hard time believing. For some people, it's just hard not to obsess over how you look. It's hard, it's hard for you to believe that vanity isn't worth it. And for some, it's not that at all. But it's hard not to constantly think about how much money you have, how to get more. It's hard to trust that God will care for you no matter what your finances are. It's different for everyone. But if you recognize it in your heart, fight it. Don't say, oh, well, no biggie. That's how your soul ends up wrecked, smashed against the rocks. So Paul hands these men over to Satan. That's what excommunication from a church is. We've looked at, the, at 1 Corinthians 5 a lot over the last few weeks. That's what happens when you're excommunicated. It's being handed over to Satan. These men have been removed from the spiritual protection of the church. And the hope in excommunication is that after Satan has had his way and these men get to see firsthand what it's like in the enemy camp, how horrible it is, the hope is that it will lead to their repentance. Let's be a church that sees the war for what it is. It's not a war with planes and missiles and guns. It's not a war to gain political victories, a war to get more land. It's not a war for health, for power, for money, for success, for self-esteem, for influence. It's a war for you and me and the people in this city to trust Jesus with all their hearts. To trust him for complete forgiveness. And not just that. Let's trust him for all that he says. For all of life. And let's be a church that stores up Bible like ammunition. And when we see unbelief in our hearts and we're tempted, we blast it with the truth. We take verses, we hold them in front of our souls, pleading with God for mercy so that we believe the truth. Without fighting, we will shipwreck like these two men. But when you wage war by faith, and by trusting what God has said in the moment of your need, you will experience his power and all the grace that Jesus has bought for you. Let's pray.